Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Action Network Podcast, the golf edition. We have another match once again. We have action on another match. We will get to some actionable props on this week's Champions for Charity match. I'm Jason Sobel, along with Peter Jennings, my usual co-host. We've got a special guest joining us in just one second. But first, Peter, hello. Hope you're doing well. Pretty fun stuff on Sunday, and I think we're going to have some more fun stuff uh, this Sunday that we're going to get into in a little bit. It's golf season for, for me. It's you know messing around playing, and uh, it's fun to have you know the matches that we have, and the PGA Tour is right around the corner as well. And thrilled that we have a very special guest on today. So you know, as an avid golf fan, it's starting to feel like the the new normal, which is which is exciting. We're getting there. We're only three weeks away from the first PGA Tour event of the restarted schedule. But enough about me talking. Enough of you talking. Let's get to our special guest, former world number one player in the world ranking, and uh, of course a multi-time Ryder Cup player for the European team, Luke Donald. Luke, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, Jason, Peter, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to speak with you guys. hope you guys are all well and uh, doing good. We are doing well. How are you doing? Uh, because I know, you know, obviously we're all sort of in different degrees of quarantine over the last couple of months. And of course, you can't go to work, but You've gone to work on social media. You've become a, uh, a valuable source of information for a lot of people with your, uh, your tips on Twitter. Uh, tell us about how this came about. And not only is it you now, you're getting special guest stars. I mean, you're, you're doing better getting guest appearances on, on your tips on Twitter than we're doing on our podcast. So uh, I guess give us some guidance on, on how you get all these special guest stars. Well, you got me, Jason. So, you know, it can't be, <laughs> it can't be that bad. We can't get a better start than you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, I started this, obviously, when, when kind of, you know, things were not looking good and we were kind of all on lockdown and nobody knew what was going to, go, what was going to happen and we were all kind of stuck at, stuck at home and, uh, you know, there was a lot of people worried about what, what was happening. And, uh, you know, I just decided to do something. Obviously, through my Instagram uh, over the years, I, I've done a few tips here and there, and people always love that. I think they love that insight. They love to hear, you know, how you think about a shot or what you're what you're trying to do with certain shots. And uh, so I thought I'd do a daily tip, you know, a daily kind of instruction stuff that really I've learned a lot from my coach, stuff I've uh, picked up along the way. And so I started doing that. I probably did 20 or 5 to 30 of those in a row, probably. Uh, I took the weekends off. I need a little bit of a break. But, uh, you know, and after I did that, uh, I thought it would be, a, it would be fun to, to kind of get some special guests. So obviously, by that time, um, lockdown, uh, where I'm living in Florida and at the Bears Club, had opened, the course had opened. So I was going back out and practicing. And uh, we're very fortunate to have a lot of good pro members at the Bears Club. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't too hard to find these guys, um, ask them for a quick tip and uh, get them to do something, you know, for the fans at home, you know, people who were still in lockdown, who are at home, if, how they could continue to work on their game um, and, and try and get a little bit better at golf, uh, you know, while kind of dealing with w w everything that was going on. So I love what you're doing, Luke, but I I've got a little bone to pick with you because a bunch of sure. guys at the club have been watching your tips and they're starting to improve. I can tell like their touch around the greens a little bit better. They're doing some different things. 
Uh, are you available for a little payoff under the table to start giving some tips that will actually hurt the games of some of the guys I'm playing against? We, we could – anything is, uh, anything is, is possible, uh, Jason. Yeah, we can, we can sort something out. Uh, I, can, I can throw in a few bad tips uh, for, for some of your playing partners. So it'll make I, sure I love win. it. Sandbagging tips. There we go. We, we need some of that. So uh, how's your game? And, and, and in more general terms, uh, are you looking forward to coming back? Are you ready to come back? And are you confident in the PGA Tour's plan moving ahead to start at Colonial uh, three weeks from now? Yeah, I certainly am uh, trusting the, the tour and uh, I'm sure they've been very diligent about uh, you know, making sure that when we come back, it will be in a safe manner. Um, you know, this is a, obviously unprecedented time, very strange time. We haven't gone through anything like this before, certainly in our lifetime. Um, so it, it's not going to be perfect, but I think uh, they've thought through all the different scenarios and then certainly I'm, I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, I'm excited to, to compete again. Obviously, when when this all kind of started was during the Players' Championship. I wasn't a part of that field, but the week before, I'd, I played really nicely at, at the Honda, finished uh, 11th uh, that week and felt like my game was really rounding into some good form. So, obviously, in, in a certain regards, I was disappointed that we were ending. I'm sure everyone was disappointed, obviously, but uh, you know, I certainly felt like uh, my game was 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 into a, in a good place, and I was excited to compete for a bit more. So, but I've, I've been practicing pretty hard uh, since we've we've come out of lockdown down here, and um, I'm I'm excited to get going again. You mentioned you felt like your game was in a good place, and uh, doing a lot of analysis on different golfers. Obviously, you know you have been the world number one. You've had a ton of success. What does it look like for you when your game is, is in a good place? Because obviously, you know, you're not bombing it, you know, relative to some guys, but you're gaining a ton of strokes uh, on approach. You're gaining strokes around the green. You've given all these short game tips that are helping people. For you, how do you know there's some signal, hey, I'm playing my, my, my A game right now? Well, the, the thing that I feel when I'm, and I feel good about my game, my chances is a little bit more of my longer game. Uh, I feel more in control. Uh, I feel more in control of my driver. Certainly, I'm not, as you said, I'm not one of the longer hitters, but at times in the last few years, I've, I've certainly not been accurate enough, you know, and you add that to with, with some, you know, someone that hits it 285, 290 off the tee, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle. I'm going to have to play defense a lot. So if I can get the ball in the fairway a little bit more um, and, and really get a little bit more sharper with my eye, and certainly, of course, like um, PJ National for the, for the Honda, it's, it's a demanding golf course. You have to hit good shots. You can't really fluke it around that place. So uh, I really felt like I was hitting good shots. I was creating a lot of birdie opportunities with some good iron play. Uh, I'm never really too concerned with my putting or, and, and my short game. That's always reasonably good. But, you know, obviously the older I get, that becomes a little bit more difficult as well to maintain at a high level. But for me, it yeah, if if I feel like I'm I'm getting the ball in the fairway off the tee and, and I'm I'm hitting a lot of good solid iron shots and giving myself chances, that's that's when I know that I'm kind of getting back to that kind of 2011 2012 run when when I was at my best. Luke, we've heard from so many other players over the years, and whether you're a professional chasing having been number one in the world at one point, or you're a ten handicap trying to get back to a seven handicap that you used to be, is there a secret to trying to figure out how to unlock sort of the way you were playing before? And, and if so, like, what is that secret? How do you get back to, man, I, I was at one point there. I'd love to get back to there. I'm the same person. I have the same swing. I have the same short game. 
Why am I not getting there? And, um, and does it, I mean, is that just like the forever question that we're never going to answer in the game of golf? Well, it's, a, it's a definitely the million dollar question. I think, you know, golf is so complex. Um, but I think you, you could probably answer that from both a mental and a physical standpoint. Obviously, physically, you know, a lot of stuff that my, myself and my coach are doing, we're looking back at some swings from, from 2010, 11, 12. You know, those are the years when I really, um, my statistics were so good. You know, I was hitting a lot of greens. I was even second in par five scoring. So, you know, even though I wasn't hitting it that far, everything was clicking. So, um, you know, we're looking at physical things, what I did well, but also just from a mental standpoint, you know, what was, what was I doing in my practice to, to get my mental acuteness so, so strong that, uh, you know, I was able to withstand like bad shots. And I think that that's part of the game too, is, you know, really practicing in a way that gives you that mental um, confidence. And uh, certainly my best years, I was, probably a little bit more single-minded, a little bit more ruthless, a little bit more diligent about what I did in my practice. I was, I was very good at coming up with drills to make my practice really mean something. And I uh, certainly started to try and, and get back to some of, some of the things that I did in, in, back when I was playing my best. Talking about specific courses and kind of the schedule that PGA Tour golfers are going to have, I mean, obviously you've had a ton of success, like RBC Heritage. There's certain course fits where like your strengths are going to be on display and you know a lot of guys kind of put together a schedule based on those strengths but now everyone's itching to come back and uh you know there's less events and then a shorter period of time how do you see people planning out their schedule and what are your plans for your schedule well as you said i think you know with this big long layoff uh, what are we nine or ten weeks now since since the players championship i think people uh, are are, are going to want to play i think some people some pros might be a little bit uh, cautious at first just to see how it all plays off getting back into a different kind of style of of life that we know but some events are really going to benefit from stronger fields i, I think heritage rbc is going to be one of those i think you'll see players like rory possibly playing um you know players that wouldn't usually play on a course like that but are going to want to play just to play and um, you know my schedule right now would be that would be probably my first event back the RBC Heritage I'd love to play that one love to play Travelers I'd love to play uh, um, Rocket Mortgage I would need an invite probably but I'd love to play Memorial and then I'll probably take it from there but I certainly you know want to play and get out there and and compete again I think uh, in a funny way maybe this break is is good for players in a certain way, you know, to have a, a physical and mental break. You know, I think certain players will come back and actually be be stronger because, you know, we play such a long season uh, in general that you know, having that little bit of break, re- being refreshed uh, and getting getting ready to go again will, will be a benefit. I'm sorry, Luke. You said probably playing the RBC Heritage. You played so well there over the years. Did was was that a guarantee you made in there that you know if if you're playing fantasy, if you're betting like I'm TV, sorry. I will yeah. definitely play really well. Did you guarantee something there? Well, I can't guarantee a win. I've, I think the last ten times I played, I finished second five times and third three <laughs> times. So I've done everything but win. But uh, hopefully, that yeah. I'd love to slip that tartan jacket on. Uh, I was gonna say, do they give you like uh, a sleeve for that, all those second places, or oh, what? Do you get like you know something pants or something for tartan pants? You know, I... man, nothing, nothing for second. If you ain't first, you're last, Jason. You know that. <laughs> of course, history there is like off the charts, and I, you know, I play a lot of DraftKings and. You know, speculating on golf, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Do you, how much? Uh, there's obviously a comfort there, and I think it's a, it's a great course fit. 
you know, when people are looking at course history, I'm more of a, I think there's obviously something there and there's a thing for people being comfortable. And I think there's a strong correlation with that course fit as well. How do you think about stuff like that? If you're looking at golfers, you know, some guys play really well at certain places. And then there are strange ones where guys play really well at a place that might not be their best course fit. As a golfer, how much do you think course history matters? Uh, I think if you're if you're looking at betting on golfers, yeah, I think that does matter. I mean, uh, certainly heritage heritage is a funny one for me. So so even when I when I first went there, you know, I was I was very straight. Um, my first few years on tour, uh, I didn't hit the ball that far, obviously, but I thought it was going to be a perfect course for me. And I went there, I think, in two thousand two or three and four, uh, and didn't sniff making the cut my first few years playing that tournament. It's like I couldn't figure it out. And I took a few years away from it. And then suddenly I went back in maybe 07 or 08 or somewhere around that. And then I obviously went on my run. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a funny one because, you know, that was a course that I, when I first went as a, as a rookie, I was thinking this course is going to be perfect for me. Everyone tells me it's a positional golf course. You don't have to be long, et cetera, et cetera. But it took me a few years to figure it out. And I think uh, once I did, uh, then obviously you know, it, was a, it was a perfect fit for me. But, uh, you know, it, it's a strange one. But sometimes courses that, that shouldn't fit you, you can do well at. I, I mean, I lost a playoff at Torrey Pines South, you know, one of the longest. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't think of you for I, that one, right? You yeah, know, it, was, it was me, Chris Riley and John Daly. I mean, I was, John Daly won that one in the playoff. But, you know, three completely different players, you know. And ultimately, if you're feeling it that week and you're feeling good about your game, you're going to have a chance anywhere. But I think, uh, obviously, when I'm when I'm looking at doing my schedule, I'm certainly looking at courses that I feel like it's going to give me a better chance. And, and, and Harbour Town would be one of those. Now, Luke, for the last week, I've had a, a pressing question. I mean, this is that was all great stuff, but this is we're getting to the important stuff now. We had Keegan Bradley on last week, and he told us about being at Baker's Bay with you hanging out with MJ, hanging out with Brady. Go to the basketball court. You and him say, hey, let's, let's go shoot some hoops. Maybe MJ will come down and, and join it. And he did. And it wound up being you, Keegan, and another guy against Jordan, Brady, and another guy on their side. I don't want to say anything about you and Keegan, but that just – You already did, Jason. Like okay, I said it. That's awful teams, Luke. What happened there? Well, first of all, I did actually catch a clip of Keegan really bashing me about my basketball game. Now, Jason. hands up. Okay, hands up. I'm from England. <laughs> I played a little bit of basketball in high school, but you know, I'm, I'm more my more the Steve Kerr three point shoot kind of shooter kind that. of guy. I uh, you know I know my place. I'm certainly not a great basketball player, but but Keegan, I heard his little clip, and he was going on and on about you know, well Brady was so good, and it was windy, it was 25 30 miles an hour. I mean, you look at that clip, the the trees are hardly moving. So don't don't listen to Keegan first of all. And I would say that I scored four points in that game. Keegan scored zero. So whoever, okay. if, if wow. he wants to trash talk me, then, then go ahead. But now, uh, <laughs> Wait, wait. So you scored four. I, now, Keegan said that he was guarding Brady. No, he was and, he was deathly, out, yeah. and he was deathly scared of, like, actually injuring his hero, yes, Tom Brady. Six-round pick, Brady, yeah. But, so are we to assume that you scored four with Jordan guarding you? Yeah, I know I should go with it, but uh, no, I was I was guarded by someone similar height of myself. Fortunately, I, I wouldn't have got anything against Jordan. We know we we know that, that to be true. It was a it was an amazing um, kind of uh, out of the blue kind of experience. Obviously, I don't think MJ had 
played basketball pretty much since he's retired. I mean, he just literally put it to one side. Other than doing his camps, I think he'd really hardly touched a basketball. And uh, we were out there um, on, on a kind of a fun golf trip. And, yeah, we, me and Keegan just decided to go shoot some hoops. And I think uh, MJ kind of heard his, his ears pricked. And uh, about 30 minutes later, he joined us on the court. And uh, obviously, a few people heard on, on, on the resort that he was, he was shooting some hoops. And got a little crowd kind of came, gathered up. And then Tom Brady appeared. And uh, suddenly, we had a three-on-three game. And, uh, you know, to be a part of that was looking back was, was pretty amazing, especially after having watched The Last Dance. I mean, I mean, that was just such an incredible series that, you know, to actually be a part of MJ, probably the last time he's played a pickup game and, and he certainly hasn't played one since then, I'm pretty sure. So you know, to be a part of that was, was pretty cool. I want to ask you, I mean, you, you made the, the move from England to go and play at Northwestern in college and I'm guessing my timing might be a little off, but that was right around those last dance years, maybe just afterwards. What was it like to get to Chicago and be like, oh, my God, this is a, this is a Bulls town, and people are nuts for the Bulls and Michael Jordan. What, what was the timing in there exactly, and what was that like for you? I mean, were you getting into it too? Yeah, so, so I got there in uh, the fall of 97, so you know, right when they were kind of playing their last season sure. um, together. And, um, you know, coming from England, basketball wasn't, again, a huge, huge sport. Uh, I've heard of Michael Jordan, but it's not something we would watch every day. You know, if you were Chicago and you'd tune in two or three times a week to watch the, the Bulls uh, during that run. But that wasn't kind of the case for me. Obviously knew who he was and, and really heard all the buzz uh, when, I was, when I was in college, but never, never got down to a game. You know, I think it was really hard to get tickets and really didn't, you know, know too much about that run, uh, personally coming from England, but so he got to meet MJ, I think probably, probably started playing golf with him in 2004, 2005, maybe, you know, some of the Chicago contacts we had and his love of golf kind of brought us together. And, uh, you know, we, we become good friends through golf, but, um, it was still fascinating for me to watch the last dance because I hadn't really experienced that, um, before I never seen that, that side of it and never really lived through it, but it was cool to see because, you know, you realize uh, MJ is so competitive and, uh, you can see that obviously shining through, uh, immensely during the last dance, but, uh, you know, it's, it, was, it was interesting just to see he's quite private. He's, he's very private. He doesn't like to, you know, he's not on social media. He's not, um, he's not telling you everywhere where he, where he is everywhere, but you, you can tell that that 16 years of just being at the top, being in the limelight for so long, he just kind of wanted to uh, go away from that. And uh, you can, can I understand it, I suppose. I mean, playing basketball in that game had to be so surreal. You mentioned it's just an amazing experience, obviously. Uh, I mean, you got to number one in the world in golf. Like, what other moments in your life did you have to pinch yourself and say, hey, this is the life that I'm living? I mean, you were playing in Europe, crushing, you're, you're dominating golf. I mean, I certainly, I mean, I can't imagine being in that spot. Is there any other surreal moments or stories or times you had to pinch yourself? Yeah, I mean, obviously for me, num getting the number one is probably my, my greatest accomplish, accomplishment um, in, in golf. And I think golf has obviously allowed me to meet a lot of special people. You know, I've, I've played with Tom Brady. I've, played, I've become good friends with Michael Jordan. Uh, I've uh, played golf with uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, all, all the guys uh, that are, are going to be, be playing next week on Sunday so you know I've got to 
just experienced some some cool moments, uh, mostly through golf. Um, and it's amazing how many athletes kind of fall in who are, who aren't golfers that love to go and play golf. I mean, it's just a, seems like a sport that uh, everyone kind of finishes uh, finishes ends up like playing. And uh, yeah, you meet some cool people because of it. Well, Luke, you mentioned it right there. Uh, we've got a big match this week, and you know it's nice to see some live golf on television. We had some last week with uh, Rory and DJ pulling it out in the end against Fowler and Wolf, and then this week. I'm a little more intrigued by this just because I don't know what to expect. Uh, we've got Tiger right. and Peyton Manning against uh, Phil and Tom Brady at Medalist. And you mentioned it right there. Uh, you played this past uh, February with Peyton Manning in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. You've played with Tom Brady in the past. Let's, let's hear it. Break down their games. What should we expect from these guys? Well, I was, I was extremely impressed with Tom Brady's game when we played. Uh, obviously, he was playing with MJ against me and Keegan, and I think they beat us pretty handily, to be honest. They were, they were chirping pretty hard. You know, I think Tom Brady at that point had three Super Bowls, so it was like, you know, we got nine championships. What do you guys got? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, there was a lot of, lot of banter going back and forward. And, and Tom... Tom's game was really good. Um, I, I don't know how much he's played or practiced since then, but really natural swing. He could move the ball. He could hit it pretty far. Um, I played with um, I played with Peyton a couple times. I played with him in a in a pro am at Quail Hollow back in maybe 2006, and he was very impressive then. I played him with him at the Pebble uh, Pebble Beach this year, and obviously he's a little, he's gone through some some pretty serious injuries and operations and surgeries with the, the fusion in his neck, and I think that's limited his uh, athletic ability a little bit. But he still, I mean, you can tell how competitive he is. You know, when he has a when he has a chance to make a net birdie or a net eagle, he was grinding, and uh, you you just never lose that. You know, the people the sports people have been at the top of their game so competitive you know they want to win they want to excel and um it, it'll be an interesting game i think see we saw you know four of the best players in the world playing seminal but that's a pretty open golf course and now we've got uh medalists which is going to be a little bit tighter um with a couple of amateur players who who don't do this for a living so we're going to see a little bit different golf um maybe a few more bogeys a few more bad swings but uh i think the banter will be a little bit better yeah, was uh, was Manning uh, obviously your teammates? But was he whether you missed a fairway or missed a putt? Was he needling you? Was he needling some of the other guys in your groups throughout the week? Uh, you know, and, and give us good uh, good Peyton story from out there. He's very he's very well, self effacing on TV, and it seems like it comes across with his golf game as well. Yeah, certainly the nationwide song was stuck in my head at the end of that week. <laughs> uh, literally every every fan would would sing it as he walked onto the green. But uh, he took it well. He, he's always he was uh, in good spirits, and it, we we got to play with his brother Eli. So it was Eli um, as well was the other was the other amateur. So those two were needling pretty good, you know, like brothers would. Sure. Um, but he he was pretty uh, he was pretty pretty good with his partner with me. Yeah, you got to give us a little more on the the Peyton and Tom in terms of strengths and weaknesses. I mean, you mentioned Tom, you know, a natural golf swing. He moves it. Obviously, the neck fusion. Um, you know, Peyton's out here in Colorado. I have some buddies who play with him. I know he's been hitting a kind of a lower draw. He's working very hard, obviously, for this match. Where where would you say the if you had to lay out the strengths and weaknesses for each guy? Mm. How would you, how would you do that? Well, Peyton has a. Uh... You know, he has a lot of shut face kind of taking it back. And that, that can be problematic with short games. So I'd probably give the, the edge to 
to uh, Tom on, on his short games. Tom seemed to have a little bit more of a neutral path and could kind of hit that soft uh, pitch shot a little bit nicer when, when I played with him, certainly. Um, you know, I'd have thought Tom probably has the advantage in terms of length of the tee. But, you know, Peyton, um, because he takes a shot, he, he hits pretty much one shot. He hits that draw. Occasionally, he'll overreact and hit a push, push, uh, push, push uh, to the right. But he's going to be more consistent off the tee. I think uh, Tom maybe have a little bit more of a two-way miss. So, uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty even. But if I had to put my money, I would probably... Well, again, it's hard because Tiger's a member at Medalist. Uh, he knows that place pretty well. But I would probably... I'm, I'm guessing what... I don't know what the odds are, but I'm guessing Tiger and... Uh, it's, it's like two Brady. to one, which seems wild yeah. to me. I mean, I know two to one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would probably take yeah. Phil, uh, Phil, Phil, and Brady. It's the same thing we were saying last week. Anytime it's a toss-up, go with the underdog. Go with the plus money. Yeah, uh, the underdog even, almost even though it didn't work last week. I still feel like that was the right side. And yeah, I mean, to Rick, I, I kind of called that Ricky would make the most birdies. He loves that place. He loves Seminole. Um, he's won there a few times. Some, some member, the member guest stuff. So. Uh, that would have been a good prop bet to, to make sure that Ricky had, had the most birdies. And uh, again, I, I don't know. I, I, if it's two to one, I'm, I'm taking Phil and Phil and Brady. Yeah, I, I love that. So I've done some analysis on uh, guys coming into January, and that's one of the tougher times to predict golfers. Is obviously there's this period of time where there's a little bit of rust. You know, someone like Charles Howell, he exceeds his normal range of outcomes more than any golfer actually during that time. And I imagine just watching the way Charles Howe goes about his career, that he's probably grinding as much as any golfer out there. Um, now we have a unique circumstance where, you know, Keegan talked about it. He had to, you know, go shag his own balls for a stretch of time and, you know, things are open now. But, you know, different players have had different setups where maybe, you know, Tiger Woods obviously has golf holes in his backyard and a simulator. And, right. uh, you know, then there's other golfers who might not have had the opportunity to be practicing as much. Who, what type of player would you be looking for? And, and, how do you think people are going to come out of, uh, you know, the, the strange time where there hasn't been competitive golf? Jason uh, Caddy for this guy. Uh, obviously, he, my brother caddies for him most of the time. But Brendan Steele is another one that seems to do well after long breaks. You know, he's won um, Napa a couple of times. You Twice. know, that's, yeah. again, that's after a little bit of a break. But he, he always seems to do well uh, with a break. I don't know, it's just that freshness. You know, some people grind so much that they're thinking about so much stuff in their swing that you know, a few weeks go by and it just accumulates and they've got too many thoughts. Um, when, if you've had a break and you come back fresh, there's less thoughts. Um, you can just kind of play a little bit more in instinct. So, but it, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, again, Charles, how is that because he's grinding or I'm guessing that it's because he's grinding or because he just, I don't know. He does does well with with a break, but uh, I don't. I don't know. It's it's again. It's a it's a tough one. But ultimately, I think certain players, it might be a little bit of a light bulb kind of situation going off in their heads, where you know they love to play week in week out, but it's not always pans out to be the best results. That that having breaks. I mean, you even look at Tiger in his prime. Me and he played twenty weeks usually. Most when when he was in his prime, he would have a lot of time off between events. I think that rest, that recovery, um, having time to work on some stuff at home uh, where you're, you're, you're not wor really worried about where the ball's going, you can really make some good changes. Um, you know, when you're, on, when you're on the road and when you're on playing tournaments, 
you're just maintaining what you have. You can't really work on in, improvements. You work on little things, but you're just playing to, to play well. And um, sometimes having that time at home to work on things can really pay dividends in, in, if, you, if you're really trying to make some changes in your swing. Along yeah. the same lines, Luke, sort of speculating about players, which we do a lot of here. I'm going to steal a question from Peter that he asked to Keegan last week because I really liked Keegan's answer um, as to which player out there do you think is sort of underrated? Which player do you think you, you've played with and seen him play? And you go, man, this, this guy's really good. He's better than his results have been. Keegan gave us Jamie mm-hmm. Lovemark. I'm going to give you a quick plug because Jamie Lovemark actually wrote a piece for us on the Action Network, Breaking Down Medalist hole by hole that is uh, on the website right now. And you can go check that out. So uh, love Mark friend of the pod. Uh, he is absolutely a guy to watch, but I uh, want to know if you had a guy that you're thinking of, you know, not, not John Rom, not Colin Morikawa. I mean, we all kind of know that right. those young guys are going to be really good, but the guy that you played with, you say, you know, that guy strikes me as a player who uh, keep an eye on him. Well, I played with um, Joel Dahman, um, I think it was last year at Hilton Head, and he really, really impressed me. Mm. Just the the ease at which he kind of played the game. Um, he just looked very unflappable. Uh, he didn't waste much time. He just kind of went about his business. Um, and, and I just kind of walked off the course thinking, wow, you know, this is a guy that just sees the shot, hits the shot, and just kind of gets on with it. And you know, had a lot of control of his golf ball around a very tight, tight golf course. So um, I, I liked his game. He obviously showed some signs uh, last year, I think, uh, some really good play, but he could be someone to look at. Um, That's a good one. I'm thinking, thinking off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I play, I, I play a lot of golf with Jamie Lovemark, obviously, what Keegan said. We played today, actually, and uh, he's, a, he's a strong lad. He has really good touch, you know, amazingly good touch around the greens. Um, which, you know, it's really good for keeping momentum going, you know, and I think, um, yeah, that was a, that's a good pick by Keegan. All right. I got two last questions for you. Um, one, I love Bears Club. It's a, an incredible place. Want to know your low round. And then second, 2011, I believe you were the money leader on both the European tour and the PGA tour. I mean, you're the top of the world. You want a bunch of money. Any fun purchases uh, in 2011 for you? <laughs> uh i'm not too extravagant with my purchases i've have owned a ferrari i've uh sold that since then but uh you know i've always i've always wanted to create a, a nice uh place for my family so i have a very nice house in the bears club um and that's obviously my uh, most expensive purchase but you know having a good place uh for my family to hang out uh is always important to me and what's the lowest round that you've seen? If it's not you, have you seen anyone else go lower than your low score? Peter um, wants to know low, if he has the course record there is what he's getting at. Well, they, they added some new tees a couple of years ago. Before that, I'd shot 62. and I think that was maybe the course record. And then I think Keegan shot 61 or 60 a little bit later. But since they added new tees, um, it might be a college player that holds the wow. the, 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 the low round maybe 63 but um i haven't man I sh- i've probably shot 65 64 since they put the new tees in but i don't think i have the course record so something to aim for Perfect. it would be such a tired dad joke but I, I mean it's so easy to just say like peter shot 63 and then he walked off the 12th green but 
I'm not going to go right. there. I'm not going to go true. there, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I've seen the game. I've seen the game. We won't go over Riviera. Peter played with uh, with Tiger in the Pro-Am at Riviera, but we won't go over what happened on the uh, on the second night at Riviera. Uh, Come right on, I want to hear. Oh, okay. Then maybe we'll go over it. Let's go over everything, Peter. 39 and then uh, 50 with a couple of shanks. It was uh, including shanking one right next to Tiger Woods in with the DJ. So all my well, uh, dreams came true and my na- nightmares became reality. So uh been watching it wasn't the worst he's seen. Yeah. There, there's video, Luke, and you know Kelly James, KJ, who does uh, some, some really good freestyle rapping out on some golf tournaments all year. And uh, Kelly was singing, rapping about Peter – as Peter's kind of in his pre-shot routine, gets over the mm. ball, and Kelly's still singing. And uh, the ball did not go toward the intended right. target. It gave Kelly a little ammo during that song. I- I'm, glad Peter's, I'm glad Peter's smiling about it now and laughing about it. But uh, Oh, I wanted to crawl in a hole. I mean, I'm a, time. you know, 8 to 10 handicap, played 9.5 out of 10 on the front nine, which you'd think would be worse than you should get comfortable. And then the back nine, I think I had one par on the back nine, and – uh, a couple of pickups, to say the least. So it was uh, it was a great experience, though. Kelly must have put you off with uh, all the rapping. It was the whole before. I mean, it was it was already it was straight down. But you're you're truly. Jade's talked about before. I didn't want to be a kiss ass or anything, but your tips are awesome. And I think you know, for someone like me, you know, ten handicap guy, I, I certainly lose strokes around the green. Uh, you know, those 30, 40, 50 yard pitch shots. Uh, you see a ton of mistakes from from players like me and. Those have really helped my game and uh, been playing a decent amount of golf during these times. And my index is a 5-0 right now, which I certainly do not want to play at. Uh, and Jason is licking, licking his uh, – I just got above 5-0, so I, I want you right now, Peter. Oh, you I, Luke, by the way, you definitely want me at 5-0. He's talking about the Pro-Am there. Uh, least favorite Pro-Am partner to get. Is it the guy who's a four handicap and wants to play it back with you and try to hit it by you all day and show you how good he is? Is it the guy who – literally can't get it airborne but wants to hit every shot anyway and try to finish up is it the guy who's yeah, like it, really worried about the score is it the guy who gets like blind drunk by the front by the end of the front <laughs> nine by the turn and no, it's the just blind a, drunk guy is fine i think okay. uh it's the person who's on shot 11 and he's trying very hard to hold a six oh. footer for for 12 and uh um, you know for 11, the group, though, the group behind is, is waiting and you're like just looking at your watch thinking oh my word it's three hours and uh we're only on hole nine so that that's the worst tiger made it very clear uh the night before he said if you're you know pick up and i i mean i i was picking up after two shots on a couple of holes but that was because of embarrassment so uh i can only imagine how painful that would be just sitting there watching someone grind over an 11 or whatever i mean that's have some awareness yeah, you go. You, you as you get older, you learn some tricks, and you just just pick up the ball and you hand it to them. And go, that was good. You can count that as a four. Next hole. <laughs> Next hole. I love it, Luke. Thanks so much. Uh, before we go, Peter, I want to talk to you about the action we've got this weekend. Luke Donald tells us he's played with both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. He says take Brady and the plus money alongside Phil Mickelson against uh, Tiger and Peyton Manning, the uh, the the guy playing on his home course in Tiger. Uh, you going with Luke or you going against Luke? I'm in a tough spot. Uh, I have some friends with Peyton, and obviously he's a big guy here in Colorado, so I want to root for Peyton, and, and Tiger has been, you know, an icon. But, yeah, the better in me, I want the plus money. Um, I think that that's too too steep of a price, even with the, the course knowledge for Tiger. And I know I've heard, you know, just even seeing on Twitter today, like Phil's playing 36. Like 
Phil, this is like his Super Bowl. He loved the match. I mean, I, I'm sure Tiger wanted to win, but I don't think he's uh, grinding as hard as it would be, you know, for a major or something. So I think uh, I, I like Phil and Brady here. I can tell you I've only spoken with one person who has played with both Manning and Brady and has given us insight, and that man is Luke Donald. Luke, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. Oh, my pleasure. In terms of the match, I'm just looking for some good banter because it was certainly what was a missing a little bit in that front nine uh, last week. We hope there's going to be banter. It's got to be better <laughs> banter than there was last week. It really wasn't, wasn't quite there last week. So thanks so much to Luke Donald. He's Peter Jennings. I'm Jason Sobel. You've been listening to the Action Network podcast. Here's hoping you hit the green this week. We're finished talking.